0: There's something that uh, we like to teach our children a lot. And somehow as we become adults, we tend to magically forget it. (laughs) And then don't discuss it very often unless it happens to us. And then we get very upset about it. That would be the ninth commandment, which is lying, deception. In fact, it reads, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. One of the ten that we're given. Initially, and then, well, we're getting to that other story some other time. But I want to talk about lying this morning, about bearing false witness, about deception. The scriptures very clearly say that we should not do this. Multiple scriptures I could choose from this morning, both New and Old Testament, from the very beginning until nearly the very end of the scriptures as we have them. We are told and encouraged not to lie. Proverbs 6 tells us that it's an abomination, calls it a lying tongue, and a false witness who pours out lies are an abomination to the Lord. And as I said, we tend to teach our children, or at least try to teach our children this repeatedly, but often as adults we seem to kind of forget it. And I think we have a problem in this country and in this world where oftentimes we don't call each other out on it very often when, in fact, we should. So what's the opposite of lying? Well, it's telling the truth. And the scriptures tell us that we should stand on the truth and specifically in 1 Corinthians that we should rejoice in the truth. And the beautiful part about being believers and following the Lord and believing in the scriptures is that we have the truth. Not a version of truth, not a uh, part of it, but we have the whole truth as much as humanly possible because we believe in the one who is the truth. God is not part truth Truth is not, if you go back to our study on the attributes of God and God being truth, God, a little bit of God is not truth. God is, in fact, truth. That's important for us to understand. And when we do anything other than the truth, it is a lie. Lying is how sin entered the world. Now, not necessarily why. I think that has to do with pride. But lying is how sin enters the world. If you'd like to turn there, we'll review this story in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We're not quite sure how long the world was perfect and without sin, but it doesn't seem like it took very long. Genesis chapter 3, we see, Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field the Lord God had made. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman... Whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now there's so much to unpack in this. There's uh, amazing examples of blame that goes on here back and forth. But what we see at the very beginning is a bold-faced, out-and-out lie that the devil told Uh, Eve, and for whatever reason, she believed it. In fact, the way that this is structured, it's very emphatically saying to her, in fact, you will not die, exclamation point. But in fact, that is exactly the opposite of what God had said. God had said that when you eat of this, you shall not eat of this. And what happened is sin entered the world. And sure enough, while they did not instantly die, their body at that moment, I believe, when it says their eyes were open, their body uh, began to decay. They began the process of dying. And the reality is, all of us, from the moment that we're born, while we grow and grow and grow, we also begin to die. And that is part of the curse that is upon us for being disobedient to God. And so through pride and arrogance and a desire to be like God, sin entered. But the tool that was used to do that is lying and deceit. All the more reason we should be very careful that we are not to be those who lie to each other, to ourselves, and to the world at large. And what we see from this is lying has consequences. And I bet all of us can think of a time when we've been lied to and it's had a consequence. And I bet if we're all, again, honest with ourselves, we can think of times that we have lied and there have been consequences. Maybe you remember those who are parents the first time your child lied to you. It's usually a memorable experience. Or those who are take care of young children, have children you think aren't really quite old enough to lie, and they tell you a bold-faced lie, and you're like, wow, because it happens young. All deception is seeking to manipulate others to believe something that isn't correct. Let me say that again. All deception, all lying, is an effort to deceive someone, to manipulate them into thinking something that isn't correct. Now, maybe sometimes we just use this word lying, and we think, well, it's just a little white lie, or it's just not an important lie, or it doesn't matter. But when I define it, and I tell you that when you lie, you are attempting to deceive and manipulate somebody, it somehow hurts a little bit more, doesn't it, as it should. Because that's exactly what lying is. Now, when I teach courses, I'll often teach that there's two forms of lying, and it's kind of true. Regardless, it's still a lie. We call these lies of commission and lies of omission. Now, something that you commit is something that you start, that you purposefully do. You know out and out that something is one thing, and you say the opposite. You are purposefully committing a lie. And then there are lies where we omit part of what we're doing. And that is, again, I think important to point out, this is intentionally leaving out significant information for the purpose of leading someone to believe something that's not correct. I probably don't have to give you an example of what it is to lie purposefully to commit a lie. Let me just make sure I clarify what I mean by a lie of omission. If someone leaves work and heads home and they get home and their spouse says to them, where have you been? And I said, well, I was at work and I came home. And the spouse says, but didn't you stop at the gas station on the way home, for example? And the spouse goes, well, yeah, okay, that's true. I did that. Did the spouse lie to the other one? No, because there's no intention to deceive there, right? That's an important aspect of this. It wasn't that they left that out. If you were to ask me what I did yesterday, I could give you a summary, but I sure couldn't tell you everything, and I wouldn't tell you everything moment by moment. That's not me being uh, untruthful. That's me summarizing what I did yesterday. On the other hand, if a spouse leaves work and stops by, say, a lady friend's house to hang out for a few hours and then comes home and the spouse says, where have you been? And he says, well, I was at work, and then I came home. That's omitting an important fact, purposefully deceiving someone else for a reason. Now, why do I explain these two? Because I want us to be thinking about what lying is, whether we are purposefully saying something that isn't true for the purpose of deceiving and manipulating, or we are not saying something that is true for the purpose of deceiving and manipulating We are not to do either, especially as Christians, as followers of the way. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We are to put away, when we become believers, this idea or this habit we might have of lying. We are to be truthful, both in the things that we purposefully say and making sure that we don't leave things out for the intention of deceiving someone else. We are to put that aside. It should not be numbered and it should not be said among us. Now, Let me just pause here just because sometimes I think it's helpful. I don't want anybody to lose track of where we're at. I'm not talking to anyone individually, nor am I talking about anything going on in the church, right? I I don't tend to do that, and I just want to make sure everyone isn't thinking about maybe something that I know about that they don't or something. This is just for the general good, okay? But if you're thinking about something, then maybe you should really consider it, okay? We are to put away falsehoods and let us speak to one another in truth as a neighbor, as especially a brother or a sister. We must be very careful that we do not lie in what we do, whether purposefully or by withholding. We should not do it at work. You can't cook the books. You can't submit false time cards, whatever it is that you have the opportunity to lie about, which is almost anything, wherever you work, we should not be doing that, especially again, because we represent Jesus Christ and He is the truth and the devil is the liar. We cannot and should not lie, either by omission or commission, to people who have delusional thinking. I'm gonna just take a minute here and pause on this. We have a real problem, and you're probably tired of me preaching on it, we have a real problem in our society with saying and believing and supporting things that aren't true. So when someone comes and says, well, no, 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4, it actually equals 5, that's a lie and brothers and sisters I think as Christians and believers we should call that out no that's not in fact true I met a lot of people in my former career met a lot of delusional thinking and I learned a phrase I believe that you think you're Jesus Christ I didn't say I believed them I said I believe that you think that right I may have just messed that up. But my purpose was saying, I believe that you think you're someone you're not, but you're not. But what our society is telling us today is that we must live into these lies and delusions that society has. You have to call me who I am. You have to say certain things. You have to agree with what I'm saying. You have to bow on a knee, if anyone remembers the summer of 2020, and repeat a certain phrase for me to approve you. That's an out-and-out bold-faced lie. We as believers in the truth, in God, in Scripture, cannot and should not ever do such things. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. A baby and an infant is a baby and an infant and has certain rights and privileges and is sacred to us. And we cannot and should not give in by omission to society when they demand that we say otherwise. We stand on the principle of truth and we say it both purposefully, we commission it out of our mouths, and we will not accept it by omission. So I will not stand next to someone when they say things that are out and out lies and not call them out on it. It's important. In fact, it's one of the first things I said when I got here, wasn't it? I'm going to call you out. You're going to do the same thing for me that's what we do as believers but the problem that we have in our society is we've been uh, beaten down and oppressed to such a degree or we are so ashamed of the fact that we ourselves lie that we don't want to call anybody else out on their delusions or their lies or their omissions or the things that they do that are wrong and that in and of itself is wrong because all we do is join the chorus by silently accepting and silently affirming the things that are done in this world. And it's a real problem. We have to stand firm for the truth and what we believe. When we are at work, we have to say to our coworkers, no, we're not going to do it that way because it's not correct. It's not right. When we are faced with someone who lives in a lifestyle full of sin, we're going to say, look, I like you, I love you, I care for you, but what you're doing is wrong. And when we preach the word of God, we will not allow someone to twist it and turn it into something that it isn't. I saw the most ridiculous banner I've ever seen outside of a church. It was a picture of it. I didn't see it in person. It says, God's pronouns are they and them. God's pronoun is he. And you know what? I didn't choose it. I didn't pick it. It is what it is. Does it demean women? Not in the least. Does it raise men? Not in the least. Because God is God, and God identifies, if you want to call it that, as a male, as a he. End of story. God is not multiple. God is not a woman. God is a spirit, and he calls himself he. Done. And if I let that go on, if I was to say that from here, or if I am to allow another person to say that, then I am by omission supporting in that lie, in that untruth. So what do we do about this? A couple of things here, if you're taking notes. First, we must know the truth. John 8 and 31. You have to know the truth. That means that we need to understand the challenges that we are facing in our society. We have to know the difference between right and wrong. We have to know what truth is if we're ever going to be able to stand against it. Do we think that the abortion issue is like over now? (laughs) Not even close. Now we've divided the battle 50 ways instead of one. Don't get me wrong. I think we had a success But if we don't continue to study to understand what we should know as fact about abortion, then we are going to continue to lose regardless of the Supreme Court decision a few weeks ago. You have to know the truth if you're going to stand on it. We have to make sure we know the truth. And some of that involves us understanding things that are outside of the Scripture and things that are in the Scripture. What does that mean? Well, you're not going to turn to a page and find 2 plus 2 equals 4 written there like that. But you can understand that by the gifts of logic and reason that the Creator has put in us, we can come to that solution. You understand? So we have to use the tools that God has given us, both His holy word and the mind and mental uh, capacities that He's given us that are a part of Him to know the truth and be ready to use it. So if we want to do something about the lies and omissions, we must know the truth. The second thing is we must not associate with people who are bold-faced, out-and-out liars. I don't know how else to say it. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. So you can't just hang out with anybody who's just going to continue to lie, whether overtly or by omission does that mean you might lose some friends I hope so does that mean you have to call someone out and say no this is wrong I'm not gonna do this y'all go have have whatever this is wrong this is why I'm leaving then yes when we surround ourselves with people who do the wrong thing who lie constantly out of their lips it gets easier and easier for us to do what to lie let me give you an example this is an inward one. You ever told a lie so much that a few years later you can't remember whether it's true or not? Oh, there's a lot of laughs. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I look back on a few stories that I think that I embellished, and sometimes I can't remember what was true and what wasn't. If you spend your time with people who do the same thing, who lie and say things that are untrue, what do you think will happen to you? The exact same thing. You will not be able to distinguish the truth from a lie at a certain point. Now listen, we all live in the world, but we shall not be of it. And there is a distinguishing mark. I can't help all the time the people that I work with. I can't help sometimes the people that I'm around who do certain things. But when we make a habit of befriending those who are professional liars, who lie often, who twist the truth, we will become like them. We must be different. We must be called out. We must know the truth. We must not keep company with those who have bad morals let me quickly read another passage of course I read a minute ago from Exodus ninth commandment verse 16 you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor but a few chapters later chapter 23 verse 1 it says you shall not spread a false report you shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. This is what I'm talking about going back to those who I think are delusional. Who have no sense of right or wrong. Who don't know what the truth is. When we join hands and support them and say, yes, that's right. You be whatever you want to be. You proclaim whatever you are. Everything is true. Any way to God is right. When we join hands with people like that, we are joining and supporting them. It is wrong. It is abhorrent to God. It is a false report. It is an out-and-out out lie. We must be very careful of that. Okay, so we should know the truth. We should not keep company with those who are liars. The third thing is we should speak the truth to one another, judge with truth and judgment. Zechariah 8.16 Zechariah 8, 16. Speak the truth to one another, judge the truth, judge with truth and judgment. When we get together with those of us who are believers, or with the world who is not, what should come out of our mouth? The opposite of the untruth, which is what? The truth. Notice you have to know it first, right? That's number one. You can't make Habits of hanging out with people who don't know the truth, who don't act in the truth. But we should speak truth to one another. And when we judge, and we should judge, go back and listen to that sermon online, I think. We should do it with uh, truth in our judgment. Again, this goes back to the idea that we should call people out. And listen, I'm going to tell you there's different ways and different times to do that. And sometimes you're led to be more bold than others. Sometimes you're going to shake your head and walk away. Sometimes you're just going to say, look, that's not right. And be done with it. Other times, I think we are called to sit down with those who we have a close witness to and to explain to them, look, this isn't right and here's why. Do you know what it is that you're doing? Did you notice that you actually lied? We are to be using the truth... With the help of the Holy Spirit to tell others about the truth. Speak the truth to one another. That's why we're encouraged, I believe, in Galatians to talk about good things, true things, pure things, not to dwell on lies and falsehoods. But too many times, I'm afraid that we all, and I get myself caught in this as well, dwell on the false, dwell on the negative not on the true and the good. So we have to know the truth. We have to not be around people who have bad morals. We should speak the truth. Brothers and sisters, I'm convinced we must stand firmly in the truth. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. See, I bet because the truth is so difficult to find these days, I bet that verse isn't probably talked about very often. Act like a man. Society can't even define one of those. And as Christians, we've not done a great job of representing what it is to actually be a man of faith in God. But here's the point. We are to stand firm in the truth, in Jesus Christ, in the Scripture, and not be moved. Over and over again, we see this concept that we are simply to stand. What does it say about the armor of God? We're to put it on, and then what? Stand. And then doing all we can do, what? Stand. It says it three times in that passage that we are simply to stand. Who does the fighting? The Spirit does the fighting. It's the Spirit of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword. I am simply to stand for the truth. And what that means is when I find the truth on the sanctity of human life, I stand there and I'm not moved. When I find the truth on how a man should treat a woman, I stand there and I will not be moved. When I find the truth about what a man and a woman is, I stand there and I will not be moved. When I find the truth about what marriage is and how it should be, I stand there and I will not be moved. And I will not Put up with others who are lying about it, who are falsifying it, who are corrupting it, who are changing the truth, whether by an active act or failing to say what it is truthfully. Now, I already pointed this out, but just to review real quick. Scripture tells us that the devil is the father of lies. And I pointed this out in the beginning, but I want to make sure it's clear. If the devil's the father of lies, does that mean that Christ is the father of truth? No. Again, we're not fracturing Christ into these many things. Christ is truth, just like he is power, just like he is justice, just like he is mercy. He does not have a fractured personality where there's parts, 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 and nothing comes from him that isn't whole. Jesus Christ is holy truth. 1 Peter 2.22 tells us that he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He never told a lie. He never told a lie. I bet you I couldn't say that over the last like 72 hours. And Christ made it 33 years on this earth doing what? His Father's will, which is to what? To be truthful. Did he say some really hard things? Shake your head this way. Was he truthful to those who came at him? You better believe it. And he called Him out and said, you're a brood of vipers because you're not speaking the truth. And specifically in that case, because they weren't acknowledging the truth. Let me ask you another question. Can you lie to God? Not and get away with it. I mean, you can tell God whatever you want to, you can close whatever door and go in whatever closet you want to. The scriptures tell us at the height of the heavens, and the bottom of the sea, God is there and He knows. Again, I love, I love kids, especially very young, because they just don't know any different. Picture for yourself, whether you've had kids or worked with kids, when you catch them or startle them doing something that they know they're not supposed to do, <laughs> and, you, and you see that like, oh, I got caught. The only difference between adults is we're better at hiding that reaction sometimes, But the reality is God sees everything because just like he is truth, he is everywhere. He is all knowing and he knows what it is that you are thinking. He knows what it is that you are doing. And so you cannot tell him a truth. I mean, geez, you cannot tell him a lie because he knows. Now, what can you do successfully? You can lie to yourself. Because you're not God. And sometimes you can even convince yourself that it's true. The Bible says we we'll, can't hide anything from God. Luke 8 and 17 says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be come to light. You got any secrets? God knows them. Maybe we should drop this pretense that we have as adults sometimes of thinking that we can lie our way through things or act like nothing happened. The reality is if you just did something wrong, God knows about it. God knew about it before you do it. God knew it when you thought in your mind about how you would do it. And God knows in your heart when you lie to him and say, I'll never do it again. God knows. And I think we need to remember that more often. I need to remember that more often. So, what's the greatest lie? The greatest lie, that's when we tell ourselves, is I'm okay. And I'm talking about salvation. So many people in this world have either never considered that question seriously, or lied themselves into thinking that they're okay. The wicked are estranged from the womb; they go astray from birth, speaking lies. Uh oh. You're a sinner the moment that you're born. And as soon as you're able to, you do what? You lie. And you never stop. And all it takes is one lie, one thought of a lie, and you're what? You have sinned, and now twice. Not only by birth, but now by act and we go on doing this our entire lives, brothers and sisters, in our present state, without the blessing of God, without being saved, we are not okay. And to tell yourself anything otherwise is a big, fat lie. We're estranged from the womb. We go astray from birth speaking lies. I've made this comment before, and I don't know that I'm, as settled on as I used to be. But again, thinking about children, and all of us have been around children. Ever had a baby that just cries and cries and cries, and you go in the room, and as soon as you do, they laugh and giggle? They didn't need anything. They wanted you to come in. They lied to you. <laughs> Even when they're a little tiny. 1 John 2 and 4 reminds us, For whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The demons know him. The demons know who he is. And it says they even tremble in front of him. But they're not going to heaven. Why? Because they don't believe him. They have not put their faith in him. You can lie to yourself for a long time, but you know what? I just got done saying you can't lie to God and at some point when you stand before an almighty all holy all knowing God who is justice he will say to you whether or not you actually knew him whether or not you put your faith in him whether or not you tried your hardest not to lie but most importantly and the only thing that matters is whether or not you have faith in him Are you lying to yourself that you're okay? Because the reality is the wages of sin is death. It took one lie for Adam and Eve to lose it all and to die. And the scripture clearly teaches us, and again, as I said it's true, that from the moment we're born, we lie, lie, lie. If for one small lie, one act of disobedience, God will kick Adam and Eve out of the garden, condemn them to a life of hard labor, and eventually death, what do you think he'll do for all the times that you've lied? And that is why we must go to That is why we must seek Him out for forgiveness of our past, current, and future sins. That is why when we are under conviction and we know that the Spirit of God is dealing with us and revealing with us just how horrible we are, we must go to Him in repentance, in faith, seeking forgiveness, knowing that He is just, but knowing that He is also gracious, calling on Him while He can be found so that we can have the assurance, the peace that passes all understanding that only comes through Jesus Christ and when He saves our soul. We're all liars. All of us. I'm a liar. The important thing about me, though, and I'm the only one I can say this for a fact about, Because I'm a liar saved by the grace of God. My desire, my wholehearted desire, the reason that I am here, the reason that God has sent me and told me to preach the gospel is to tell you the same thing. You're a liar. And the wages of that are going to earn you eternal death and separation from Jesus Christ. And the only way out of that is to put your faith in Him. End of story. And I'll stand here and say that over and over again until I don't get to say anything else anymore either. Brothers and sisters who know the truth, who have the peace that passes all understanding, let us stand firmly on the Word of God. Let us not waver. Let us not give in. Let us not let other people convince us that something is true when it's untrue let us know the truth let us stand on it let us hold hands together as one and say no i will not do this i will not believe this i will not say this and i will not admit anything less than the truth that is what a lost and dying world needs to see the church of jesus christ standing for the truth and those who i was just talking to who need to be saved you think you're okay you're telling yourself the greatest lie there is because it's a lie that has eternal consequences i hope today that the spirit will reveal that to you and will lead you into the path of righteousness which is seeking forgiveness from him